This is High School Not So Much a Musical, a podcast that takes you on a ride through the peaks and valleys of a high school journey. Here are your presenters, Nitin Jalodanki and Ayush Agarwal. Hello everybody and welcome back to High School Not So Much a Musical. You're currently listening to part two of our two-part conversation with Mr. Von Cleveland about how he spent his early part of his life in jail and how he was able to turn it around. So we're going to, if you didn't listen to our last part, that's where we focused more on his life in jail, what an everyday life was for him. But in this part, we're going to focus more on what he did outside of jail when he came out and all of the great progress that he's made so far. So just for some little bit of background and just like kind of relate, what we talked about a few episodes ago was with this Disney child actor who found himself after he was done acting, the show got canceled around when he was around 18 years old. He just didn't really know what to do with the rest of his life. And he got into drugs, he got into dealing with them, and he actually got um, convicted of aggravated assault. So he talked about how he was able to like turn his life around and start his own marketing agency and stuff like that. So that kind of brings me to my next question, which is, so coming out of prison 18 years later, how exactly did you reconstruct your life? Because I know it's hard for ex-convicts and for the incarcerated to get jobs after returning from prison. So what did you do to pick up and start to like, just simply live your life and start paying your bills? Well, first of all, I I think that it is a mindset thing. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that you've been in prison. Um, I think that that's an excuse that has been bred into people thinking that because you've been in prison, you can't do anything in life. Uh, and I don't, I don't subscribe to that at all. I, one of the things that I was able to learn and teach myself heavily was the law of attraction and manifestation. If you have unbridled belief in yourself and you ask it of the world, the world is going to give it to you. The world doesn't have a choice. It conforms to what you ask. And so when I was released from prison, I was fortunate enough to meet a woman in the end of my 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 bit uh, that we 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 fell in love based upon the perception of what things were um she's an incredible human being and i love her to death um her name was michelle and i met her uh, through a, a cellmate of mine and we fell in love and we ended up getting married uh and so i had a place to go when i got it because and I believe that I manifested all of this in my time in the hole because I said, I'm going to meet a wonderful woman. I'm worthy of it. Uh, I'm going, I'm not going to get out to uh, uh, a struggle. I'm not going to get out and have to, to fight and claw and deal with all that because I'm worthy of more than that. My mistakes don't define me and I'm, I'm worthy of more. And so I did meet her and we were married and I was able to get out to a home. Um, and she helped me tremendously. I was able to secure a vehicle and a home. Uh, she introduced me to a guy who uh, was a union supervisor uh, with a demolition company. And I met him and I, you know, I just put myself out there authentically. Like I'm a hard worker. I will, if you give me a chance, I will come in and I will work my ass off for you. Uh, and regardless of what you think about my past. And so that was the circumstance. And I did, I went there and I worked my ass off and I was honest. I had integrity. I, everything that I had taught myself to be, I was now executing uh, because it's not, 
just a plan. You, you, you can't just make a plan. You have to execute that plan and you have to stick to those things. And so I did, I worked my ass off uh, and joined, I was in the union. It didn't take long, a few weeks into it. They saw that I was a hard worker and I got into the union, which is a guaranteed pay uh, in guaranteed work. And I was able to work my ass off. And, and I stayed with her for about six months when we realized that we were in love with the perception of what the life was and not what it actually would be. Um, she was, you know, uh, ready to settle down and, and, and go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed. And that wasn't what I was ready for. I was ready to get out and change the world, to make an impact, to perform, to entertain, to, to educate. And so it just didn't work. And then I left her uh, about six months into it. We, had, we, we got divorced and we're great friends to this day. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's where I started when I got out. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And like you sort of touched on upon like what I'm gonna ask next. Um, like you wanted to entertain and you wanted to perform in front of the world. And if you know, if the listeners, you guys listen to part one um, of our conversation, uh, uh, Sonny, he he mentioned that he would like sing and people would request for him to sing songs while he was in solitary confinement. And you know, he would like pace back and forth in his like his nine by ten. Um, um, like acting as if he's singing in front of the stage or singing on a stage in front of like thousands of people. Now, um, you currently have like a metal band um, which you started and you're the lead vocalist for. So um, like, it would be great if you could maybe like talk about that, um, like the history of it and like why you started it or how the process of starting one. Uh, well, I'm, it's not a band anymore. So we're, we're, we haven't been a band for a while. Um, but it started with once I left my wife uh, and we got a divorce, I moved to Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and I met I was in Guitar Center one day because uh, Guitar Center is like Disneyland for me. It's it is I go to Guitar Center. I can be in Guitar Center for hours just playing with different instruments and, and having a ball. So I went there uh, to pick up the acoustic guitar and, and fiddle with it a little bit. And I met a dude named Mike Scarvelli who, well, I was on the bass, he came over, I was playing a Metallica song, um, and he came over and he said, you know, I'm in a band and we're looking for a bass player. And he said he was a drummer. And I said, well, man, I'm looking to make music. And this is, you know, I've been out now for about six months. And I'm like, man, I'd love to get into a band and make some music. So he invited me out to the, to the band audition. Uh, and I went out there and it was a great meeting. They had uh, a couple guitar players, John and his brother and uh, a singer, and he was on the drums. And I started jamming on the bass with him and it was a good vibe and everything started going. But we quickly found out that these guys are here for a hobby and I'm in here to become a professional musician. Uh, I gave them my background. I'm behind the eight ball here. I need to make things happen quick and fast. And that's what I intend to do. Uh, so quickly, I jumped off of the bass and got on the vocals. Uh, and things went really fast. I booked us a show within 30 days. Uh, we went and played it. And this was a band called Raising Jameson. And so we went to this club called Music Links. It was its first show at this newly opened club. And I would later come to find out that the bands that we played with are all amazing headlining local bands. They're just incredible bands like Metal Mafia, Conniption Fit, Era 9, uh, Decimator, and all these really good bands. Uh, and so we got on the show, we played second, we actually played behind another really amazing band. Um, 
And that was my first instance of being on stage and performing. And I, I had prepared for this. The entire time I was in the hole, I prepared for this. I knew that this moment would come in my life. I manifested it, that I would get to take a stage uh, as a lead vocalist. So I did, I went out there and as I got up on stage, the nerves started to kick in. I'm like, oh man, oh man, I'm, I'm nervous. This is actually happening. And I instantly thought to myself, just go back to the hole, just go back to the hole. You're, you're in a, a nine by 10 room. There's actually nobody here. And, and something profound happened in that moment. I was able to do it. And I'm like, oh shit. And then the song started to kick in and I'm like, yes. And I just went and I started to perform the set and it went to amazing. It was amazing. Like we did the entire set. Uh, and after afterwards, I was like, holy shit, that just happened. That was really euphoric. Uh, but then I realized that the, the club was severely understaffed. And I met the the guy that owned the club and his name's Anthony. He's a great friend of mine. We're great friends to this day. Uh, I said, Anthony, like, you don't have anybody here, man. You need some help. And I had only lived like a mile away. He's like, sure. Yeah, I could use all the help I could get. So I came down in the following days and I started helping him like put up speakers and put up lights. And, and then I found myself there every day helping him out in this venue. And I said, dude, you might as well just call me the general manager of this place. And he did. He was like, you're it, you're the general manager. And so I became the general manager of this club and together we built an amazing venue over the course of the next 60 days where we started bringing in bands like um, Saving Abel and Mushroom Head and started bringing these bands and these really good bands. And I started to get into this club thing and I started to, to really build a following uh, as the general manager of this place. And then everything went to shit about a year afterwards because the owners, Anthony and his other partner, Mark, they couldn't get their shit together. They couldn't act as a team. And so it dissolved. And then I'm standing there like, wait a minute, what what, what about me here? What, what's going on? Like he quit, Anthony quit, Mark's quit. The club just went down. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? Uh, and so when that dissolved, I, I reached out to some of the contacts that I had made in the music game and said, let's start a band. And we all came together and it was weird how it came together. I met a guy named Remy Remington a while ago at another show. And he hit me up and said, I need a drummer uh, for a show that's coming up in, in nine days. And I said, well, let's, I got a, a buddy of mine that's looking to be a drummer in a band. And we all met up at a studio that was connected to the music club that we had. We were still running the studio, Critical Rewind. And I said, hey, let's just, instead of stepping in as a drummer doing yours, because it was, it was really a ragtag thing. It's like the guitar player, the bass player, and the drummer, like, and they don't even have songs. Like, instead of doing that, let's start a whole new project. And, and let's do that. I have songs that I've written while I was in prison because I started playing guitar at the last couple of years of my bit. I wrote these songs and we could turn them into a metal band and we could do this. And so he said, all right, let's give it a shot. We reached out to another friend, a girl of ours named Megan. She came over on guitar. My buddy was the drummer. He was a guitar player. I said, I'll jump on the vocals. And a, a buddy of mine named Wes jumped on bass. And we literally built this band in nine days. I, we didn't have a name. We were thinking about names. I got an accidental butt text from my ex-girlfriend uh, that said something dot, 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 letters, letters, numbers, numbers, grim trigger, dot, dot, one gram truth. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. Grim Trigger, what a great name for a band. So we adopted the name Grim Trigger and the first song we wrote was called One Gram Truth, which was a song about heroin addiction. And we wrote that song in one day 
like, let's just book the show. Let's just do it and see what happens. Nine days later, we took the stage as a band and blew everybody away. And over the course of the next, I think, 90 days, we started to really fine tune these songs. Like, man, people are liking this. We started to do more shows. Like, let's jump on that show. Let's jump on that show. Let's jump on that show. And we started to play a ton of shows. And then I got uh, contacted by Dylan Deanna, who is the owner of Ferocious Records and said, I'm really taking an interest in your band. You guys seem to be doing really well. Let's have a meeting. I had a meeting with Dylan Deanna and we did a live performance for him and he signed us to Ferocious Records. Like, holy shit. We've been a band for you know three months and we just got a record deal with Ferocious Records. Now we really got to step our game up. So we did. We started to write more songs and we started to play more places. Next thing you know, we have a headline show and it's like, holy shit, we've only been a band for five months and we have a headlining show already in Cleveland, Ohio at the, uh, the, the, the Odeon, which is a massive venue there. Uh, and we just started going and going. And next thing you know, boom, Michigan wants you and Chicago wants you and West Virginia wants you. And it's like, holy shit. In six months, we just became this big badass metal band uh, and kept going. And, and it's incredible. But then things started to show where people's desires really are, whether or not you actually want to be a professional musician because things cost money. This stuff isn't free. It costs money. It costs gas money. It costs hotel money. It costs equipment money. And things fell apart probably after about a year. We did a couple of music videos, did a whole bunch of shows, then things started to fall apart because I was paying for everything. Outside of having this band, I'm also working a full-time job in the union doing demolition and running a music club. And I have a pregnant fiance. <laughs> like I'm taking on a whole lot of stuff here. Uh, and, it, and it just ended up dissolving like, I can't work with you guys. You guys aren't, it, it's just not going to work. And so it ended after about a year. Uh, and it was an incredible thing. Uh, and then I, that's when I got into the corporate world. So that was the, the, the shelf life of Grim Trick. Yeah. Like, uh, that's great. I will get to like your, um, your job in the corporate world, like, uh, pretty soon. I just have like one final comment, like about your band and it, it's like really interesting to see, you know, how it all started from one trip to guitar center, because I, I, I play guitar myself. Like I've been playing guitar for or electric guitar for like the last couple of years. And I go to guitar center all the time just to like try out different guitars. And I'm, I'm in like a, a cover band and we met our singer at guitar center or I, I was there, you know, I was just playing. And then this, this girl who's our singer now, um, she was just testing out some microphones and I was like, wow, you know, she's really good at singing. So then I went up to her, I got her number and then she auditioned for us. And then like, now she's been our, um, our singer for like the last six months. So like, it's really great, like to see, you know, how you or your band, um, started or kind of started like from you going to guitar center um right. and then like uh our ours was pretty similar how like we got our um we got our singer uh from guitar center as well That's but amazing. uh yeah like uh now like we can sort of transition to like um, your current jobs so like if you want like just you, like give a brief introduction or briefly talk about like what you do like currently that'd be great so currently i am the director of itopia coaching and consulting uh, it, I'm a keynote speaker, a motivational speaker, and a mindset coach. Um, and this all developed in the last year of my life. Um, I got to that because of COVID, actually. COVID actually made a huge transition in my life. 
uh, because after the band was the the corporate gig, and the corporate gig is what ended up transitioning me back into motivational speaking because I wanted to be a motivational speaker when I got out of prison, but I got sidetracked by the music career. If you recall, it was the music, it was the the concert venue, and it was the pregnant fiance all at once. I didn't have time to focus on being a motivational speaker. Um, but once the band dissolved and that that went down and the and the club was gone, that's when I was like, hey, I want to focus on motivational speaking, blah, blah, blah. But now the baby was here and I was, you know, being a full time dad, working a full time gig. Um, and, and I had actually quit the union once we got signed to the label. Uh, I walked away from from the union. And so I was doing Uber uh, on the sides and I was I was loved Uber. I was a great Uber driver and doing Uber and music in the baby. Uh, but then the music died down so now i was just ubering and <laughs> being a dad and i kind of got into a a rut where i'm like all of a sudden things aren't as peachy as they were because all i'm doing is driving an uber and being a dad and i know there's more that I, I need to accomplish and that's when i i started to make a network i met dave farrow who is uh of the two-time record guinness record holder for memory uh, and has one have been on like Fox with the Fox show Superhuman and a couple other things, and I talked to him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, you could be a really great motivational speaker. You should get into it uh, and tell your story." And so he helped me start to grow my network, because which is where I met a dude named Lauren Harris, who is a professional coach that trains motivational speakers. I started talking with him, uh, and then I started to focus on that. And I knew that I had to to change something in my life because I was caught up in the rock scene in the rock life which can take a heavy toll on you, especially someone like me that I had done half my life in prison. I wasn't used to the attention uh, or the availability of recreational drugs and activity that was involved with being a, a rock star. And I went on a, a two week vacation out to Arizona uh, to meet my son, my 17 year old son, Dalen, uh, and his mother. And his mother was a, she is now a, a professional bodybuilder and, uh, the, um, a medical therapist and, and does that one of stuff. And she really motivated me to get back to that. So when I came back to Ohio, I was, I was motivated and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get a real ass job and, and start doing real life stuff because the music is, is done for now. So I went to a staffing company to get a job and I met the owner, Mike Donato. And I sat down and talked with him. And after an hour of talking with him, he was like, I'm going to give you a career. You have never had a shot in life and I'm gonna give you a corporate gig and a career. And he did. Uh, and I got a suit and a tie and an office and, and a career because I told myself, this is what I'm, I'm worthy of something more than just the mundane after what they've told me. They told me you, the best thing you could ever hope for is a supervisor job at a factory with all your felonies in your record. And I never accepted that. And so here Donato sees this and he gives me this opportunity and now I, I have a $100,000 a year corporate gig on a salary with my own office. And I'm a staffing specialist and I bring these guys in to give them jobs. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, I don't wanna just give you a job. I wanted to change your life. I wanna help you like someone once helped me. And then I started doing job fairs in the prisons and I started going into the prison and, and motivating these guys. And I'm like, all right, now we're getting somewhere. And then of course, COVID hit <laughs> and shut everything down. And, and I'm like, you cannot be serious. 
Like I just got to where I, I, I need to go in life and now COVID hits and shuts it all down. I'm like, what, what am I supposed to learn here? There's a lesson, there's something to be learned here because I don't believe things just happen. I think everything happens because it's supposed to. I think there's a lesson to be learned out of every failure and everything that ever happens. And I, uh, uh, I, I was sitting in my house and I said, you know what? I was watching a YouTube video of No Life Shack do a reaction and I'm like, I can totally do this. And I went downstairs and I fired up my webcam on YouTube and I did a reaction video and it had great success. And then I did another one and another one and another one. And next thing you know, I got 10,000 subscribers on YouTube and I'm like, holy shit, wait a minute. And I started talking to them like they're real life people. They're tuning into a live and I start motivating and I do it this show. I start doing shows. I'm like, listen, I'm going to do a podcast about motivation and helping people. And I started to do that. And then my sub number started climbing and climbing and climbing. And I got up to 20,000 and then 30,000. And I started to make a living off of YouTube during COVID. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. So I started to make music again. I'm like, man, I can do music because I'm working from home doing YouTube. And I, I got involved with a couple of musicians and we started making music online. And, uh, it was at that point where I was at the height of it. I was probably at 30,000, 35, 40,000 subscribers where the girl that I was with that I had the kid with, I realized that I wasn't happy on the inside. I like superficially, uh, yeah, I got a great life. I'm a YouTuber. I'm making great money. I have my own house and I'm, I'm thriving in COVID, but on the inside, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with this woman. And, and the problem is, is I'm not being authentic. And so I need to be authentic with her and sit her down and let her know, I don't want to be with you anymore. And, and it goes a lot deeper than that because I had cheated on her. Uh, we had been together four years at this point and I had cheated on her way back in the beginning of our, our, our relationship because I spent most of my life in prison and I didn't realize what cheating on somebody does. I didn't see the, off, the, the effect of cheating on somebody. And then when I did cheat on her, I saw that effect. I learned that lesson. I'm a very kinesthetic dude. I have to see the effects of something to learn the lesson. And there it was. So now I'm not, I'm not going to do that ever again to somebody because I don't want to see that. I don't want to cause that type of pain. And we got back together. She had forgiven and you can't really forgive something like that. So it was poisoned anyway. And I just wasn't happy. So I sat her down like a, an adult and said, Hey, I don't want to be with you anymore. This is over. And she went nuts and started breaking stuff and, and going crazy and, and I ended up having to leave. And I lost all my stuff. And this was in Jan uh, December of 2021. This was last year. And I'm thinking everything that I've worked for and built is now gone because I couldn't get back into my house, she kept all my stuff. And in that moment, I remember what Mallory Bay taught me that everything that we do is a choice. It's not about the circumstances that happen to you. It's about how you respond to those circumstances. And you're right. So I'm going to get up no matter what, and I'm going to keep moving forward, marching forward, maintaining my integrity and, and going forward. And I expect better from life. And I did. Uh, and I got a, a new place. I got a new computer. I started doing my, my thing again. And uh, I, my booking agent booked me on a podcast with a girl named Claire Rogers, who has boot camp for the mind and soul. And I went on that podcast and I fell in love with her the moment that I looked at her. And she fell in love with me the same way. And we started talking every day for six, seven hours a day on FaceTime.
and she is who she's the one that built Itopia Coaching. She has an incredible story of her own. And uh, we decided to move to Palm Springs together a few months later down the road to California. She was in England, London, England. And we decided to move to Palm Springs. And then we did. And we came out here and we're opening a cat cafe. Uh, and I took over Itopia Coaching and I'm working in with these volunteer programs. I've jumped in with these organizations like Martha's Kitchen and Buddha Bullying. And uh, we're starting to make a real difference. We're doing fundraisers, we're doing clothing drives. And of course, I'm giving you the Reader's Digest version. There's so much, it goes so much deeper than that, but I don't want to clog up the entire time. Um, and that's where we're at now. So I've launched Itopia Coaching. I go into these organizations. I work with people like uh, George Sinatra and, and Dimitri. And, and I go in and I work with these organizations and we're making a difference. We're putting clothes on the backs of homeless people. We're giving speeches to kids in schools. Uh, and we're really making a difference out here. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I think that gives like a really good understanding of how you're able to turn your life around, like all of like the struggles that you went through even outside of prison. So one of the things that we normally um, ask every one of our speakers is to just kind of give the audience any tips that you have. We keep it really open-ended and not really specific. So if you could just give the audience any tips that you have, that would be great. Believe in yourself. Number one, believe in yourself. Know that you are worthy of living the life of your dreams. Every one of you, no matter what you have been through, you are worthy of happiness and love and living the life of your dreams. Nothing can stop you. The world is truly your oyster. If you, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. Anything you wanna do, you can do it. Don't hold your, and shoot for the moon and gather up many stars on the way. Don't doubt yourself, don't limit yourself. Have overarching goals and dreams. Dream so big you can't stand. Dream so big it scares you because that is where your success lies. That is where the, that, that is where the ultimate happiness lives. Set those goals so high and know that you're going to reach them. Know it, don't think that you're gonna get there. Believe it, know it, and, and feel it. And there's nothing you can't accomplish, no matter what you've been through, no matter what the world has done to you or what you've done to the world. You can stop right now, turn around and receive the life of your dreams, man. I'm living proof it can happen. Yeah, exactly. And um, this, you know, this marks the end of our podcast, but like, thank you guys so much for listening. Like we went through the, the whole life of Sonny Vaughn Cleveland and how he was able to turn his life around and how he how he was able to live a great life currently. So um, thank you so much, Sonny, for taking your time to come onto our podcast. And Absolutely. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a blessing. I love what you guys are doing. Keep going. Don't quit, man. You guys are incredible. Thank you guys so much. No problem. Thank you so much. That's our show for today. Now roll the credits. High School Not So Much a Musical is hosted by Ayush Agarwal, Nitin Jaladanki, and Rishi Sinha. Narration by Samhit Padala. Music from Louis Luang Relaxation Cafe, Tune Pocket, and Infraction. If you like the show, please recommend it to your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.